Hello and welcome to Access All Areas podcast. Um, we're back with another episode of our EFL series, Club 92. Um, it's me, Neil, and I'm here again with AD. AD, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Good, good, good. Um, tonight, again, we're in proud association with our friends over at CCFC Fan Store. Um, hit them up for all of your all your merchandise. Um, and tonight we're joined by resident Fulham fan um, and co-host of Scoops Football League Lowdown on Twitch on a Monday night, uh, which I'm a huge fan of and was lucky enough to be a part of uh, recently. Uh, Skibby, Skibs, how are you, mate? I'm very well, guys. How are we doing? Good, mate. Good, good, good. Nice to have you on. Good. Yeah, yeah but, no, but, good. really appreciate you uh, you taking up the invite, especially after some of the banter we've been having recently. <laughs> and, um, exactly. <laughs> it's just like if anybody asked me who my most hated football team is, I would have said Brentford until I met you, and now it's Coventry. <laughs> so <laughs> speaks holy for us, then. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we all know that Skibby's got a Matt Godden tattoo. So um, oh, God's sake, that Matt, super yeah. Matt, super Matt Godden. Love, love yeah. Matt Godden there. Which is always funny because it, 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 even in the, the penalty that happened very recently, it happened in the exact same part of the ground. So I think there's <laughs> a, there must be a trip hazard there or a really strong Absolute gust. Absolute stone sure wall. Pen that was. Stone wall. <laughs> Both of them were, mate. The one against Fulham was even more, but we'll get on to that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the one thing I will say, but while, while we're laughing and joking about it, um, the fact Don't that... Dive, <laughs> Don't dive, kids. <laughs> um, and if you do, make sure it's in the swimming pool so you can then go to the Olympics. <laughs> Um, you know, and some of the response I've seen to God for getting the penalty against Derby um, was for your first game back after a two game ban for diving to go down in the box was very brave. That's stones um, on that man. No wonder he went down. Oh, absolute cojones on him. Absolute <laughs> took lumps off him. So it's, it's another stone wall there. Yeah. I mean, that one I can, yeah. I mean, uh, depending whether you're going to touch on it in a minute, but yeah, that one, there was a bit more context. But <laughs> the, the Fulham one just infuriated me to the to, the, to my core but uh, there we go. And, and I have made a point of tagging Skibs in about three or four tweets about it so far I think I, I mean three or four tweets a day maybe <laughs> <laughs> right Skibs we're here with you because you're a Fulham fan um, yeah. obviously people can only hear this I can't see this but you've got the Fulham cap on at the minute um, how, how did that punishment start oh you know what? It's one of those where you just get cursed from family. You know, it's so strange because if from my actual background, my dad grew up in Sussex and my mum is also from Sussex and a Brighton fan. They moved to Essex where I grew up and I got Fulham somehow. And growing up <laughs> around me, if you, if you actually went through, you know, as a crow flies, my nearest teams would have been, you know, West Ham, Spurs, where all my friends support and I'm like you know what they've had some good times why, why couldn't I go with that but um where, what it really comes down to is my dad I think he his he had an aunt who lived in uh, Hammersmith right next to the stadium so um he sort of grew up around sort of around London I think he went to Twickenham Uni as well and he went to some games and would always sort of pop in for a cup of tea see his uh, aunt then you know go to a game and then wait for the rush pop in for another cup of tea and you know and then head off but um then an unrelated um another sort of dad's uncle um by marriage um he was a season ticket holder for fulham and he used to take my dad a lot um so he was a season ticket holder from 1960 odd um up until 
present day. Unfortunately, he can't go anymore. He's been uh, stricken down with blindness, which is not, not the best, oh, but um, wow. yeah, terrible. But um, he kind of got us into it. And then, yeah, my dad ran 96, I think it was, took me to my first game and caught the bug, unfortunately. And it's been full ever caught, since. Caught the bug at 96. So what, what league were in at 96? Because I'm, I'm, I'm not up to date with my Fulham stuff, I must admit. That was, I I'm trying to be... They had like the just, prominence of going for the leagues at that point, right? They 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 had almost dropped out into non-league. Um, they were in Div Three, so today's League Two, um, and I believe Mickey Adams took over. Um, oh, and, wow. and there there you go, a bit of a Cov connection there, I think. But um, and he took over, and he he just kept them up. And then the the, the season I went uh, and got into to Fulham, we were runners up, I believe in Div 3. So he took him from almost the brink of going into non-league straight into, you know, runners up in Div 3, going up to Div 2. And it was just rocketed from there. It was really strange. I think I went to my first game, uh, Cambridge away, I think it was, 97, 98 time. Um, just because it was a local one. It was mm. one of those sort of testers. So it's not too expensive, you know, and it was close to home. So if my dad was like, you know what, he didn't like it or anything, it wasn't too much. But no, caught the bug and kind of pushed on from there. But uh, so that was probably one of my first memories was, was so Cambridge away. So you've been through the mill a little bit then. Like a lot of people, especially our, our younger listeners, will know Fulham as a, a yo-yo club, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, that, that have been the last 12, 15 years. Yeah. Been, been in and out of... Uh, the, you know, the, the top flight in the first division. Probably associated with a bit of money as well back in the day, you know, it's one of those, or, or should we say, it, modern era rather than modern looking era, back at where yeah. they were. Yeah, we were 96 and it's trying, I was trying to wrap my brains when you talk about that, thinking it was that, and I remember the Kevin Keegan, the John Tegan, the Aspeneras and stuff like that, and Coleman, it. and it was, I, I can't remember, was, was there somebody else in between them that brought them up as well? And I was like thinking, was it Keegan that brought them to the Prem or was that Division 1? Keegan I can't remember. got us, well, that, that, that's where there's a bit of controversy because I think when, um, Alfired came in, bit of cash. He, um, Mickey Adams left, and we brought in Kevin Keegan, bit of a high-profile manager for, for Division Two, uh, and he got oh, us wow. went up as champion, uh, champions of Div Two, and then I think he actually went to the England job from then, <laughs> which is a really bizarre oh, move. You would not imagine that today if, if someone went from, if yeah, they imagine I... someone in League One just said, you know what, I'm going for the England job. Sorry, boys. <laughs> That's bad mantle, isn't it? Steve Evans getting from Gillingham getting the, oh, getting the England oh, or Scotland job. Imagine that football. Makes, makes you feel sick. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, yeah, crazy. Kate can't get in the team anymore. It's just Tom Eves up front. <laughs> no, Johnny, no, Johnny Kinde. Oh, oh no. Did you get mentioned last night? <laughs> yeah, Johnny Kinde will, will get a lot of mentions, I reckon, as we go through this series. Um, <laughs> You've touched on Cambridge away, you know, being yeah. an early memory. Can you remember your first time at the cottage? I can, and it wasn't a pleasant one. Um, I believe it was in '99. Um, so I, I must have been before that, but for some reason I don't remember. This one just stuck in my mind. But this was, I went with my dad to a QPR game. Um, obviously, oh, local cool. rivals, and we, we were in the river. Uh, the well, it's the it used to be known as the Stevenage Road Stand, which is now Johnny Haynes Stand, and it was basically along uh, the touchline. Um, and where we were was the the family section, but it was standing. And um, 
during the game, a, a fight broke out and everybody squeezed forward. And I remember only being like seven, eight. And then we were right at the front of the barrier. My dad had to lift me over the barrier um, just to get away from the, the crowd squeezing up. And, That's you know, nice. there was just random. It was me and my sister. And we were just sort of like standing on the pitch while the game was going on. And we're like, well, where do I go? And, the, you know, the, the stewards had to like, usher us off. And, and what was awful about that is my sister didn't go to another football game for about a good 15 years after that. She was wow. scarred. Which um, I can imagine as a young kid. Yeah. And it was just... Well, I loved it. I don't know why, but it was just a. Uh, I, I you know, I was I was football mad from yeah, ready to scrap. But no, my but from a young age, obviously, I was a, a, just fixated on football. That you know, for me, standing on the pitch with the players, like yeah. I remember, I one of my idols was um, really random idol at the time was uh, Rufus Brevet, the left back. <laughs> oh, what a yeah. show! Um, and he was like standing next to me, like calling for the ball and I'm like on, yeah go on. and then uh, and then you know I was running down the wing and I'm like Rufus I'm open mate come on <laughs> but I thought it was brilliant but um no that was probably one of my first moments at the cottage but to be honest throughout my youth I had some amazing days at the cottage I had times where I was a ball boy I got to go into the, the cottage and sure. uh, met some of the players and uh and then you know just being that sort of up close and personal i remember having to sort of we had to do like a guard of honor um for the players coming out i can't remember i think we were against west brom i think it was in the championship well they've won um at the time um but it was just one of those sort of places for me where you know i grew up with a lot of friends who sort of were um you know, Man United fans, Spurs fans, where these sort of opportunities never really came along. Um, mm. You'd obviously have to pay a premium to be a ma mascot or, you know, you'd have to, you know, there'd be some kind of cost involved to be th this sort of involved in a match day. Whereas, yeah. you know, I think I had a junior membership my dad bought and they just would email you and go, oh, your, your son's been picked and he's going to be a boy or he can be a mascot and blah, blah, blah. And, and I think that, looking back, is also a really important factor of you know why Fulham for me is just a, a great club yeah that sounds epic I've, I've got a question about the, the ground seeing as we're Cov fans you're yeah. a Fulham fan we've not met in how many years is it, is it 55 65 years something it's daft isn't it yeah. so we've I've never been to Fulham I've never been to Fulham ground is it as good as is it as it looks on the, all the pictures you see in terms of it's it, it's a vintage football club, you know, it's one of those that the grounds are, it looks amazing, it looks like a tight ground, it looks like it's going to have some atmosphere to it. Is it? Is it as good as it is in the tin? Absolutely. I mean, it's something that you just can't explain. I think it's more the fact as well, when you sort of go to these sort of clubs, like I'm going to pick out, um, I went to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium recently, right? From the station, you walk through this really shitty, can I swear? Yeah, yeah. do what you want, mate. Um, you do all these like <laughs> shitty sort of townhouses in these areas and you know it's an absolute dive and then suddenly bomb you've got a massive great stadium out of nowhere from Fulham going to you can go for two ways you can go if you drive if you're going to Hammersmith you've got the the Thames walk and you walk all the way along the Thames and dead straight and then you just come to a stadium out of nowhere which is great and then if you were to go from Putney you go through Bishop's Park really beautiful park and it's just one of the most like really interesting walks I find to a stadium and then obviously when you get there it's it's completely different to what you have in the league I believe sort of 
the the Stevenage Road stand that I mentioned that I was in, um, now called the Johnny Haynes stand, is all listed. It, it, it can't be touched, mm-hmm. and it's a, I believe it's from I think the last time it was or when it was built was about 1909 or something. So you've kind of got that kind of history, and in there you've got wooden seats because they can't yeah. be touched. Yeah. Um, which you know gives it a bit of character, and then obviously you just got the random cottage in the corner. <laughs> like what? No, uh, don't know why, but at the same time, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> um, no, it sounds, but, sounds epic, to be honest. I'm, I'm hopefully I'm going to get um, what, what yeah. What I'm targeting, I'm going to have a big X against it. I want to go and watch that game. I, I, I think I think this season when we knew we were staying in the league and Fulham came down. I think a lot of Cov fans went right. That's yeah. the game because a lot of ground hoppers need that for their ticking off the list sort of things like you say we haven't played in yeah. 60 odd years we've gone up and down the league so they've done forest green and all those random places but but, but the cottage is one of those ones that we've just never really met so i know it's definitely one of them that i'm looking forward to as well yeah and i think the, the really important thing that which i really like they did is they incorporated the cottage into the match day experience so all the changing rooms are in the cottage um the press area as well and things like that so they've just got kind of gutted it out and then when I went on a tour and stuff I, I managed to go around it and it's quite interesting to see that it's still quite you know it's just unique really mm-hmm. just in what they've done there but it's it's quite funny because I know that um away teams hate coming to the cottage because there's certain limits in in changing room size and Fulham's are the bare minimum so that like, there's no power sockets in there there's no you know you can barely get a squad of like you know 16 in there and it's just very funny just to, you know, when the, we spoke to the talk about winners, it, isn't it? Exactly. And he, and he said that is why they were so successful in the Premier League, they believe, because everyone hated coming to Fulham. I remember seeing, you know, some giant killings of Man United and um, beating Liverpool and such. It's just because they got all these, you know, state-of-the-art facilities and then they come to Fulham and there's nothing there. Just a few pretentious players. That's what we want to say. Exactly, yeah. So... I'd, I'd prefer that. I'd prefer to go to a... An, it sounds daft. I'm, clearly, I'm not going to be a football. Never am going to be. But I'd, I'd prefer going to a, an older stadium that's got a bit of character against it, against yeah. one of these new mm. built stadiums that you think, oh, OK, it's, it's gone up in a year and it's got it's got nothing about it. I mean, Spurs Stadium, as you said, looks amazing, but it's got nothing in character. Absolutely nothing yeah. in character. And it's... It, I'm sure me and you will probably hype, hype on about from Highfield Road as much as we want to about that and the character that had mm. that had to a certain extent compared to... Yeah the Rico slash CBS and that's that's just a little concrete bowl to us I think and that's it it's getting more yeah. character this year because of it's what it's better. Like. yeah it's probably much better this year but before we come back it was always known as the soulless bowl wasn't it it was yeah. since, since we moved from Highfield Road no one knew where to sit or like you know yourself Skip you got the cottage um, and you would have been you would have sat in the same sort of area the whole yeah. time you've been going everyone's got their sort of seat where they know where they are we all moved from Highfield Road to this bowl going, well, where do we sit now? Do, yeah. do, we, do we sit here? And, and, and it took a good five, six years for people to kind of get comfortable, I think, more than anything. And, and then we got comfortable and fucked off somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, le- less said about that, the better. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's one thing I'm looking forward to. Um, the other thing we like to talk about in the show is football shirts. We're sat here wearing them. Um, it's, it's what we like to do. Can you remember your first Fulham shirt? I can. And it was the 2000 and 2001 uh, Demon Internet shirt. Um, 
And the only reason I remember this, I think one is because my dad didn't buy me shirts when I was smaller because he was just like, you'll grow out of it. So I used to, I used to wear, he had a 1996 shirt, I think. And it, and he was a six foot two, you know, 15 stone bloke. So, you know, I was only like six <laughs> years old wearing like an XL uh, shirt. Like but you know dress, what? Exactly. Looking great. Your ankles, like. <laughs> but um, no, I remember getting my first proper shirt one Christmas and, you know, I, I was a really big fan of uh, of um, Sean Davis at the time. Oh, yeah. And I had number 23, Benji on the back. Um, and then I think I liked that shirt so much, the Demon Internet, um, that I got the away one as well um, the same year. But um, I do remember that shirt. It was uh, it's a good shirt. And I do keep my eye out on it for it now, just in case, you know, any pop up on eBay. Because I would, obviously, I can't fit into a age sort of uh seven to eight anymore but um you, you say that and one of the first shirts i ever got was a cough shirt clearly um and i got it i think in like 93 and as neil's touched upon i'm a very small man i, <laughs> I, can, I can still fit into my seven to eight year old shirt i, I can't fit in it well but i can fit into it when i get that's out it. of it, it it basically yeah it gives me a hernia to try get out of it but yeah that's it's always fun to try get into it but i've got that as a as a grown adult as well so it's it's worthwhile keeping eyes on shirts i must admit i, I love shirts and some Fulham shirts have been absolutely class as well to be honest they've, they've had some decent gear over the years and mm. i suppose it's 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 worth keeping eyes out on shirts what what are your thoughts on the current year shirt out of interest i love it and the only reason for that is because we're not sponsored by a betting company yeah and i think it's because there must have been a regulation change because i remember as a kid having a bet and it was a bet fair on my shirt so the regulation must have changed where kids shirts can't have you know the the betting companies on anymore that changed yeah and uh and i think that's ridiculous like if you're growing up to be you know a, a fan you're going to be wanting to be a player probably and you idolize these players and you want to be like your players right so for me that day i was at uh at fulham and you know i said oh, next to rufus brevet i would have had you know one of my shirts on thinking i'm rufus brevet right mm-hmm. and when you look at the the shops nowadays when you've got the the betting company as a sponsor all the kids shirts are blank yeah and it being a kid i'll be like i wouldn't want that i don't want that shirt that's not what you know that's not what my hero wears why can't i have you know the shirt that they wear and that's been ruined because of money we've got it kind of the opposite haven't we this year because we're sponsored by boil sports um and you you've there's been a lot of adults that have said i don't want a betting sponsor i want the plain shirt yeah absolutely and i just think look are you happy for us to play in the sky championship yeah, like the, I get there, that. Is that, there is that there is that Tim Pop view on it, isn't there? To be honest, that's why it's facts. Look, and obviously Paul Mercer has just done this documentary about his addiction with gambling and stuff, and it's a horrible illness. I get it completely, mm. but I'm sure when you had Pizza Hut on your shirt, she didn't want a pizza every night. You know, like, no, that's true. Having said that, <laughs> yeah. I haven't having said that though. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's probably one of my favourite shirts of all time. <laughs> pizza Hut shirt, it, it's it a classic. Such a good shirt, and I'm I'm a, I'm a sucker for a collared shirt. I do like a collared shirt. But, but the, so. that, that's one argument I've I've never understood is this, um, oh what whatever's on the front kind of can can affect it. It's like, mm. what you're telling me every Man United fan in the nineties had a Vodafone phone and a Sharp TV. Like yeah, it just it's, I I understand where they're coming from though because they did it with the alcohol right and the alcohol went and, and this is this is where it's funny though because the alcohol went from the front of the front of sponsors and, and shirts but still 
in the background sponsored England for a period yeah, of time yeah. through like Heineken and Carl and all things like that. So it's okay, so it can't be on shirts, but as long as the FA are making money and making well, decent money in their back pocket, they're happy for it to happen. It and was the Carl in Premier League for years yeah, as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was, yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah it, it's, I mean that's it's the, that's the only reason it's just like for the kids' shirts. Because I know the I mean, I'm not a father myself, but I can imagine the struggle where you'll be like, but I don't want this shirt because that's not what they wear. And you're like, oh, well, this is the best you've got. So, yeah, I don't. I've, I mean, I've got kids, and my lad goes to me, uh, goes with me, and he's only seven, but he's not going to notice that yet. He's not going to no. notice once it's got different, different top. Mm. It's just like Fair he enough. wears the same top, but I don't think he's off that, that age that he probably realizes, to be honest. Mm. He just wants a kit and he wants it now. Yeah, Whereas yeah. I suppose my, my nephews are a bit older, they'll probably look at it and think, I'm going to be old enough to to, to not to not mm. wear a kid's shirt. They'll probably end up wearing the small man's because it's a replica shirt. So you have yeah. to buy that and they'll know about it. So you are right on that. It's it's interesting to touch upon that because I know there's, there's laws of changing for next year. That means that all betting companies are being banned anyway from front of the shirt. Mm. So oh, it'll be just to see where they go next because I'm guessing that the next thing is going to be this like Bitcoin stuff and all this stuff. Yeah, well, we we now got World Mobile or something, which that seems really confusing, but it seems to be almost charitable, but I don't know. It's a company that um, sort of do blockchain uh, Mm. things and sort of the more that you buy, they put, you know, mobile antennas in Africa or something and gives them cellular signal. I don't know how it works, but either way, it sounds better than... Yeah, we ruin yeah. lives. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back to the shirts quickly. How much are your shirts this year out of interest? I believe they're sixty pounds, what, which is 60? another reason why I haven't got one. <laughs> yeah. I always wait. I've literally, literally just googled it, sixty quid. So the yeah. uh, so last year's, even though it's Bet Victor and uh, and certain things, uh, end of season sale, fifteen quid. Fine, done by me. I mean, I like the Welcome. shirt. With the sort of had the uh, the black shoulders with the the white shirt, but um, it, it was pretty tidy. I mean, this year's looks nice. I do like the pinstripe. I have to admit. Um, yeah, I think it looks really fancy. Um, and I, I do like this shirt, but yeah, I mean, sixty quid end of season for me. I mean, I'm not yeah. I'm not a pre- to be honest. And I think classic shirts are now coming into such you know that everybody wants. And what you're wearing at the moment, and uh, that you sort of go to games, and everyone's got like a '90s shirt on or a 2000. So it doesn't really matter. It doesn't care. Nobody cares if you even got the most up-to-date shirts. So. 100. percent Classic you know shirts are more sought after for performance face facts. They are indeed. I actually thought this. So when we had the Checker Trade final in 2017, I remember that day seeing more retro shirts than I've ever seen, and mm. thinking it's a bit weird. And now, like you say, four or five years later. You 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 barely see a new shirt a game. If you do, it's on kids more than anything. Because more than anything, yeah. I don't know if that's you know kids keeping up sort of thing. Um, one thing I will say about Fulham shirts this season, I don't know if you've noticed this. Aids the away shirt, the sponsors gone purely white to match, yeah. so it goes into the black and white shirts. They've got rid of the colour in their logo. I quite like that. I would have kept the colour in it. I would have kept the colour in it, but that's just me. I, I like but, the blend stuff. Again, it makes it look so much better. There's, 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 a, there's a shirt, one of the shirts I really like. I've never bought it, but it was a Man City shirt and it was a number of shirt and it had the Sasha Croft here and they had that Etihad sponsor. But instead of having it plastered across the front, it was a tiny little logo in like a top left-hand corner and it made the shirt so much better because it didn't obviously interfere with that sash it's such a banging shirt and uh, there's obviously a lad on there that's a man city fan he always goes on about it. it's one of the shirts he was after and i managed to find him but he was like 
you can't find it anywhere because everybody wants it because there's no sponsor splashed all over. Yeah. And yeah. things like that make it completely different. And it's, it, I, I, I like it when I, and the monochrome and stuff like that. It makes it so much better for me. But saying that, I've just had a little look at another picture and they've taken the red out of the crest. So, that, so, so they've monochrome the crest as well. Yeah, it's happening more and more. No, I know, I know our away strip as well. Um, we've yeah. whited out the badger on the commentary strip, and I'm not sure I like it. I think that's that's your identity as a club, isn't it? Mm. Your crest is your identity. I think no matter what, that should be left alone. No, I completely agree with that. Um, to be honest, I, I hadn't noticed that. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's only because I've literally just noticed it now, and the FFC is in black. I, I, I generally think it's just because designs are going a different way. They're trying to make them, you know, that little bit different, popping them out and stuff like that. And I, I, I do like the monochrome on some stuff. Um, I think when we first did it, we did it on a two-tone shirt, right? And But I didn't like our original two-tone shirt. And I'll probably get hung for that, to be honest, because everybody loves it. Um, but yeah, it's better I, I than the new one, mate. I, and I disagree on that, you see. But I'd, I'd oh. like that to see that in. But we're talking about Cov now. I'd like to see it inverted, but there we go. <laughs> but we'll get back off Cov. The other thing I want to ask you about Fulham, I suppose, is ticket prices. What is the top-end ticket price for Fulham? What's the bottom-end ticket price? I'd be interested to know. So I went to Fulham Swansea, and I think this is the cheapest ticket I've seen. Um, and that was 25 quid, um, which not too London, bad. reasonable. And I also had a, a membership discount on top of that. So, because I'm a member for the year, um, I got five pounds off of that. So, it was only 20 quid. Um, is, that, is that a midweek game, Saturday game? That was a mid, midweek game. Um, Still decent, though. But yeah, pretty good. I mean, I was working in London anyway. So, I, I just popped down after work with a mate and it was a good laugh. Um, but um, I did go to the first game of the season. And even that was a Saturday first game. I think that was 28. Um, it's not too bad. I think the most expenses I've seen is probably about thirty-three, and that was for QPR. And even and, I know thirty-three, and, that's, and that's what I paid to go to QPR. Yeah. That's what I paid to go to QPR. So for, for, for London prices, I don't think that's bad at all, considering and the elephant in the room, Fulham are known as the the, the posh boys club, as it were. Yeah, like that's really reasonable. Absolutely. I think. Yeah. It's reasonable for yeah, reasonable for that. I mean, the that, only problem is, is yeah. because obviously being a London club, you don't really have the fan base because obviously yeah. in London you're competing with I don't know twenty other clubs. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you've got to sort of price it strategically like that, I guess. Um, but I always remember sort of growing up, as you mentioned, I was kind of growing up in the sort of glory years, let's put it that way, um, in the Premier League, and I know that um, a lot of corporate um was buying up Fulham season tickets because they were easily obtainable and they were the cheapest in the Premier League for London as well. Yeah. So mm -hmm. a lot of them were just saying, oh yeah, you know what? You come to our business meeting or whatever and we'll treat you to Fulham v Chelsea and and then yeah. you know they get to sit in the neutral section at the time. Doesn't exist anymore. I need to express express that everyone's <laughs> going, oh they got a neutral in <laughs> but they don't. Um oh. we did we did and we we will we will put our hands up and say we used to have a neutral end but um, that that, it, it was that completely battles. strange, <laughs> but it was for that reason. It was purely business for these people yeah. to bring their business partners down. Didn't give a shit who's playing, and just you know, makes full of money. Game. I kind of get Fulham's thinking there because you know, like you say, it, it makes them money. But I've seen you you tweeted something the other day, Skip, and it was along the lines of we get stick because we had a neutral section, Victoria Sponge, wooden seats. 
yeah. uh, etc. But that's what makes you follow them, though, right? It's, Absolutely. You, you hold on to that. Is One that of the things I was going to touch on was, was the Victoria Sponge, because we have to address <laughs> that. <laughs> have you had Victoria Sponge? It's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, but um, not a football. I'll totally agree. I think Victoria Sponge is my favourite cake, I'd say. That picture was from around 2014, I think. It was years ago. Um, and because I know the fan base, it's such a believable picture. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> but at the same time, when people use it against Fulham, and be like, oh, and I think it was um, uh, a QPR fan. It was like, oh, here's a Fulham fan celebrating their like fourth goal. And I was just like, <laughs> still, still one, so... Go fuck yourself. <laughs> but, uh, um, I, you know what? I, each their own. I mean, I think, it, like you say, it's an identity thing. If we get known as the Victoria Sponge Boys, we get known as the Victoria Sponge Boys. Will I eat Victoria Sponge? If somebody's offering it, yeah, I won't bring one. <laughs> if somebody on my, if somebody in my rows like cutting into a sponge, I'd be annoyed if they didn't offer me a slice. Let's be honest. <laughs> hey, look, look for a slice down here. Yeah, one is very funny. Like. Well, my, my my mate Scoobs, he's always saying. I think he always introduces me on our pod as like, uh, or our show, sorry, as uh, the the prawn eating, pims drinking, Fulham fan. So I just can't escape it. But that's it. Have you had pims? It's pretty nice. <laughs> what would I rather have at half time? A pie and a pint, or you know, pims and a prawn sandwich. Well, I, <laughs> I think swiftly moving on, I'd say. On that yeah, I, I, think, I, think, I think that's the perfect time to let's talk about the current season. Um, obviously, you, you boys came down last year, um, from the Premier League, kept the majority of the squad. Yep. Um, probably book his favorites to go straight back up. I think it's a, a, a fair that's estimate, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, how do you think the season's gone so far, mate? I would say it's gone how I would have optimistically wanted it to go, to be mm -hmm. honest. Um, sort of being second, touching distance of first after, you know, what is it, 14 games? If you gave me that at the start of the season, I'd be like, yeah, that's where this squad needs to be. Uh, like you say, I think the, the biggest thing is the, the way that we kept our core players. So there were some key players there. Tosin Adarabayo, who we got mm -hmm. from City, um, for like one million or something, the central defender. He should be a better Steel, steel that is one. Absolutely way. steel. And he's English as well. So he like adds to your homegrown. Mitrovic signing a new five year deal. He wasn't happy under Parker last year. Didn't really get a look in. They played Josh Madger a lot. Um, mm. And then Mitrovic has now come into this season. Why We expected him to fire. This is his league. But not to this extent. He is unreal. Except from when we played Coventry. I mean, <laughs> the I mean yeah, yeah. Fat a guy that day, didn't he? Yeah. Didn't 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 tell me five. Isn't a referee because he was bitching and moaning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, Sorry. Yeah. Probably the only. Come, come back to haunt us, that will. He's, he's scored. He's scored against everybody else, but. Uh, um, Rodak, Tete, Kearney, Cabano, Harrison Reed. Harrison Reed should be a, a better club. Baller. I think he should be yeah, Premier baller. League. He's quality. And I think the, the biggest one, which was a big surprise for me, was um, Seri. Didn't really oh. get a look in. Didn't really get a look in. Um, when we, sort of in the Premier League, he looked lightweight. He wasn't great. We loaned him out. 
when we're in the championship, went back up again. We didn't want him in the Premier League last year. We loaned him out again. And then he's come back. I don't know what, you know, uh, Marcus Silva said to him, but he is an absolute filthy player. Some of those passes. He just, and I watched when, obviously I've been a couple of times live. I've liked him so much that I've just spent most of the game just watching him. And he just glides effortlessly. He just doesn't look like he's breaking a sweat. But yet he'll just take three or four players out of the game with one single pass. And for me, that is just utter class. Mm. I'd be surprised if we keep him in January, to be honest. See, the, 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 this is another thing I mentioned about me and Skibby with our, with our tagging each other on tweets. I was tagging him, Mike got on tweets, and he tags me in Seri tweets because Seri. The, his range of passing, like you say, I, was it... It was the third goal. I want to say was it was it against QPR? What the the through ball? Yeah, where we, we had, oh, literally just cut out three or four players for this pass, played it on the assist, and it was unreal. And then the next game, I didn't see it. Obviously, you keep a keen eye on Fulham, so you, you've tagged me straight away and said, "If you like that one, watch this one." Oh my word! Just and you can the best thing about it, Aids, and I think you'd agree with this. Do you know when you see a pass made and you see defenders like sticking their leg out and they're just that, yeah. just that little bit out of the way? There's about six of them that did it. So you can yeah. tell he's proper threaded through the eye of a needle. Unreal stuff. So, so we talk about him and you say you're not sure you'll keep him in January. Who realistically would he go to? I could see he... him going to a Champions League team in like Turkey or um, back, to, back to where he's on that. Portugal. Yeah. Like he was at Galatasaray. I think the Galatasaray fans would have him back. They liked him. Um, but Fulham were very insistent that we wanted around 20 million. We wanted to get try and get some of the fee paid, um, which Galatasaray wouldn't play. And I know that the, the Galatasaray fans liked him. So now he's like in top form. I can see that, you know. I just I just don't see that somebody's going to fork out the money for him in that league. If you're going to you're going to stick your hat on it and go, we want 20 million, there's not going to be any that's going to be willing to stick that money down for any player. The only thing I would say is he's got the the portfolio the the, the highlights oh, real yeah, now to, like, to back up the fee i think before it was sort of like he would come back to fulham they would say you're not going to use him so we'll give you five take it or leave it you know and you otherwise he'll just go on loan or rot and just see how the rest of his contract so the fact now he's got some games under his belt under marcus silva he's playing well he's like, he's enjoying himself and and the, the the i think the really kind of like uh wholesome thing that i found the other day was um We've now got a chant for him, which we're singing. We've got Seri, Sean Michel Seri. I don't think you understand and all that. And I've um, before. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Wow, well, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> and um, and he didn't know, but he, and then Kibano had to tell him they're singing your name. And he went. This, this sounds what? like our story as well for coffee now. <laughs> and, he, and he walked up to the fans at the end of the game, and he patted the badge and was hailing everyone. And and it's just one of those things which he didn't know. And then he started doing interviews. He's now getting more involved in the club, and now becoming a fast fan favourite. So, do you know what Gus Hamer? Same with Kappa Gus Hamer this season. So yeah. Blackpool away, we were singing the Gus Hamer song to "She's Electric." He's Brazilian. Mm. Um, and we were going for a while, and you could see at the end of the game, they've done the lap of honour, and Darbo and O'Hare have kind of put their arm around him and kind of told him, because you mm. could see, he looked re- you could hear you could hear him singing Gustavo, but he obviously didn't understand what we were saying. Mm-hmm. So you see, they, they put their arm around him and told him, and then he was bouncing, yeah, he was loving it. And <laughs> now, he does, you can tell, like, he comes and takes a corner in front of us at, 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 at I think, Skip referred to it as the windy end of the CBS. Oh, that one, um, yeah. 
<laughs> where gravity is a bit lighter because people fall over a bit more. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you know, we're all singing it and he applauds the fans. And you're right, he was one of those ones before. No one knew if he really spoke a lot of English or there was rumours mm. he was going to go to West Brom or, or Rangers. But now he seems like he's really embedded in the club. Um, weirdly enough, he was suspended for the Fulham game and I've seen him on the way in. Um, oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah. I, 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 I think it was that one. Yeah. yeah. Got a picture from Yeah. I had a picture with him and he spoke perfect English. Really surprised me. Oh, quality. Um, But even when we were seeing his name that game, you could see him up in the executive boxes, like kind of joining in and stuff. And it, it, it was brilliant. But that's the perfect segue to kind of talk about the Coventry game. Obviously, we, I've got a touch on him, mate. I've got it. Um, we've just come off the back of a 5 0 battering at Luton, which was possibly yeah. the worst night of my life. Uh, yes, I agree. Can you remember, Aids? You were a little oh. bit, you were well oiled that night. I think it's the best way. Oh, wasn't it? I was absolutely fine, mate. <laughs> I, I, walked into the bar at I walked into the bar at Kenilworth kind of Road, Skibs, and Aids is still on a chair, just going, Yeah, I'm over here. <laughs> I turn around and walk back out. As I, I, I'm, yeah, you actually did to be funny. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I'd, I'd start on the beers at two o'clock or something like that. So, yeah. <laughs> so then it was unreserved seating. He's come over to where we were. Um, and you blanked me. I didn't blank you. Yeah. I was talking to you and I was turning around to talk to someone else. And realized he'd gone somewhere. I was like, oh, he's, he's one of those when he's had a beer, he's disappeared. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was the longest drive back up in the M1. I bet, that yeah. I, oh, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't the nicest journey home. And then we know we've got Fulham at home on the Saturday. And I think I speak for every single Cov fan. Um, yeah, yeah, we've had a 100% it's record. Up, isn't it? That's the day the wheels came off. And I'm sure you boys would have been thinking the same. You go in at half-time, 1-0 up. You must be sitting there rubbing your hands together going, cheers, lads, another three easy, three easy points. A little bit. I mean, I'd say before the game, we were thinking a bit more like, because we, we are quite pessimistic as fan base. We are. And we were thinking, you know, oh, they've got absolutely smashed. They're going to come at us. They're going to come mm. at us hard. And you're like, oh, this could be it. You know, that could be, you know, a, a, a moment where um, we get our first loss. And to be honest, I expected a tough game because obviously you boys have been playing very well this year. Um, and, you know, quite rightly so. You're where, you know, where you deserve to be after your performances in the, in the league. But um, no, you're right. I mean, the first half, I didn't see any threat really from Coventry much. Um, I don't think we posed any. To be fair, no, absolutely. And and I thought, you know what? I think we'll try and sort of, you know, a bit of game management. Try and get a second. I thought quite happy first after the first half. I think you'd be quite right in suggesting that. But second half, I think the wheels just came off. I don't know what happened. To be honest, it was just awful. But, but was it was it that you played bad? Or was it that we played we played much better than was expected? Your boys went in at half time, got a team talk, just keep doing what you're doing, you're gonna win this game. And Robbins just give our lads a bit of a leverage. Was the first goal, was that where Tim Ream and Onama fell over each other? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that, I think it. that's what shocked us a little bit. Um a, a huge mistake, and they didn't really pick themselves up from that. And it was mm. just and I think that that was the turning point for me in that game was like, I don't remember many chances before that. I mean, it was early in the second half, but as soon as they sort of fell over each other and I think then they start to try and make an amends and, you know, and try and help the game individually. And it just went from bad to worse for them. And 
I mean, don't get me wrong, Fulham were run ragged that second half, but I think that's more of a, a commitment to you boys that you just, whatever was said at half time was the right thing and you, you came at us. Um, obviously, I don't know you guys too um, in depth if, if there was a tactical change, but there just seemed to be so much freedom down that right hand side. Yeah. And I'm not sure what happened there, but. We were seeing absolutely run racket against there. Uh, was it Robinson? The fullbacks. Yeah, Robinson was left. What I noticed, and I, I and I called this on the day to my mate Matty that I stand with. First half, Cabano was unreal. Yeah. And and Dabo was having to sit back and defend. Now, any Cov fan will tell you Dabo is not the best defender in the world. Neither yeah. was Matson. And they were both really pinned in. And we we kind of went to five at the back, which kind of give Harry Wilson and give Decora Reed and give um Cabana the, the license to get forward. Second half, we kind of changed it to three at the back and three up four up front because Dabo and Matson cheated and stayed up there, which meant that your guys had to then do the defending. And, and, and it shows because I think Dabo was involved in the penalty, uh the Stonewall penalty that Godden got. <laughs> um the, the, the ball that Godden placed on the right hand side for Jokerez's second is an absolute worldie. But that's really because was. the space been made. But the space been made on the right hand side. Matson hits that worldie of a strike um, from left back after playing what a sixty-five yard one-two yeah, with that ball. Yeah. And I genuinely think it was a, a tactical change where we decided to play in your half rather than defend as much. It was, and then look, you gifted us the first. We joke about the penalty. Real time, I thought it was. Obviously, looking back. Yeah. I, I I can see why still is. Was, <laughs> <laughs> I can see why he was given as a you know yeah. I, I don't necessarily agree with the two match ban if it wasn't on Sky it wouldn't have happened but again that's a different matter but that completely changes the game two goals in five minutes completely yeah. changed the tide of the game and then we just pushed on and it just went from there um I, I think I'd, I'd be doing a disservice to Dom Hyam and Kyle McFadden if I don't mention the job they did on Mitro because massive job right? I've never seen him so caught in a game I mean, I've watched Fulham obviously in him in terms of how he plays and he's, he's an aggressive baller up front and he, yeah. he, likes, he likes to get about and he, he did nothing and it was I was so surprised by that because I thought at any given chance I thought he's going to get a chance he's going to score it right and he just didn't have a sniff all game mm. it, it was it, it really was weird um, looking at the results you, you, I think the one result that stands out is, is, is the loss at Blackpool uh, which surprised me because when we went up there, that I didn't see them offer anything personally. I've done a few boys kind of assumed you'd won, uh, but before a kick of the ball. But I think it just goes to show the level of the league that you then go to Nottingham Forest, yeah. um, who are, are riding the crest of a wave with a new manager unbeaten and put them to the sword. Like, I, I think if we're talking about this season in the championship. Absolutely. I mean, you talk about the Blackpool game. That was a bizarre one. That if you watched the game any other day of the week, we come away four 0 winners. I mm. think we had like eighty percent possession, or seventy five, um, about twenty shots, um, and they had one shot. That's all they needed. Um, it was one of those absolutely months. bizarre games. And to be honest. I've said this before, I think you need to sort of lose games to get that characteristic up of, you know, you're not going to walk this league, keep playing to 100%. It's like a reality check. Um, and I think, you know, 
the Blackpool game was our, our reality check. I wasn't expecting one um, against Coventry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that was a small reality check. Um, but yeah, as you said, and then we go to Nottingham Forest. Um, and it was just something completely different. I mean, they were 4-0 winners. Was it 4-0 win on paper on, uh, after watching the game? Just more clinical, I think. Um, but obviously, it was quite funny from the Nottingham Forest fans that you'd think that they'd been, you know, top ballers all season, the way that they were acting like, you know, how we come away with not beating Fulham, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, hang on a second. Five five games ago, you were bottom of the league with one point. Like, yes. stay in your lane. <laughs> <laughs> Remember where you were. Remember your humble beginnings. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I like, I, like, I like how they've um, sort of become like a new team under Steve Cooper. But, um, yeah, he's been good to see, to be fair. But, yeah, the, 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 the 4-0, I think, was fully deserved. Took our chances. They had a horrendous defensive error, which is very funny, where they fell over each very other. Funny. Um, very similar to the one. Very you, similar. Yeah, yeah. That you guys had against us, to be fair. So you um, know, swings and roundabouts in it. But um, no, I mean, it, it wouldn't be a Fulham season if we didn't lose to people we shouldn't lose to. But it is what it is. But we're still winning games and comfortably. We've hit thirty-three goals, I think, in in fourteen games. Yeah, decent. So it's a decent return, and I mean. 15, uh, 15 of those from Metro, but at least we're still getting half the goals from somewhere else, which is good. Do, do you think? Do you think? Fast forward again to January. Do you think there's any chance he disappears, Metro? I don't think so. I don't think Not, so. I, 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 it's, it's a weird player, right? Because I think it's, it's, his level is Championship. He's never, he's never hit the heights as he in the Premier I League. I mean, people say that, but he did he, in our first season under Jokanovic in the Premier League. He did hit eleven goals in a Premier League season, which isn't a bad return considering we got relegated. Um, so, I mean, I, I commend him there. I think it's quite unfair for people to say that he's not a Premier League player. I think you can see it for Serbia as well. That he's a oh, he's a goal machine. If for, he's a for goal them and for you, yeah. But you've just got to know how to use him. Which Parker didn't. That's I, hence why Newcastle got... didn't. He, 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 yeah. I, I remember him in Newcastle, and he was so hot and cold up there as well. And I, I think the reason he struggled up there because they didn't play to his strengths. And if exactly. you look, if you look at Fulham. When I've seen them, they play to his strengths, and the recruitment has been players that will fit that system as well. Yeah. I, I genuinely believe you talk about building a side around someone. I think that's what Fulham have done over the last couple of years: is build a side around okay. Mitro. Yep, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, and that's why I don't think he'll stuff. go. No, he, he's just signed a five-year contract, so I. I... If if he does, he'll he'll take a big fee to get him away. So, um, and he, he loves the club. He's always been a fan, and he and he actually gets on really well with the the owner's son, which is quite strange. But he, 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 they're quite good mates, old Tony Khan and Mitro. So Tony Khan. So you see, I, my little secret: I, I still watch wrestling, still love wrestling. I know who Tony Khan is, and I love what he does. He's been on about doing a pay per view in the UK at Craven Cottage. So if I, even if I don't make it for the football, I'll be there for the wrestling. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, I'm always a firm believer of. As long as they like run the club sustainably, I don't care what they do. Like Al Fired getting a Michael Jackson statue. He could have had he could have put a statue <laughs> of fucking balls if he wanted to. But the fact that he like kept our club sustainable for as many years as he did, 
he can do what he likes. But the fact that you said that, both me, me and Neil, was, again, you won't see this, but both had our, our heads in our hands as soon as you said that, just looking at each other. So what's I, going I had on? a season ticket at the time when it was unveiled and I made sure I got there early just to see it because I couldn't believe it. Because do, do you know what? Do you know what day? It's a prank, of isn't year, it? Do you know what day of the it's, year they announced it? Those April Fools. They they announced it on the first of April, twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. I think it was. Couldn't and everyone enough. thought they were taking the piss, and then it was there. It was awful. His glove. It wasn't even like a bronze diamonds. statue. Like we have, we have a statue of Johnny Haynes outside the uh, outside Craven Cottage, which is a great statue. This looked like it was made out of like. <laughs> It looked like a Madden Two Swords waxwork, <laughs> and um, it, it wasn't even allowed to be outside the stadium. It was inside the stadium behind one of the stands because you know it would just get hidden away by yeah. curtains. Basically, yeah. And then um, what was even funnier really... about that was that the um, Al Fayed, when he sold the club to the Khans, he said, "Just don't remove my statue, or else." And the year that they removed the statue, we got relegated. Oh, you can't stop it's mental as an absolute there was even a point where we wanted it back we were like we're in so much shit please bring it back <laughs> it's been melted <laughs> down sorry brilliant it's brilliant um, one last question on this season Skib alright if you don't go up is that a failure yes absolutely I mean hands down complete failure we talked about the, the players that we've kept we talk about the free-flowing football we're playing. We're, we're, for me, at the moment, we're building something which, for me, is a very competitive side at the top end of the championship, but also at the bottom end of the Premier League. Yeah, I think like if we are going to be sort of competing with, I mean, the, I, I'm going to sort of go on a whim here and say that these teams stay up in the Premier League, but the, the Crystal Palaces, the Brentfords, if they do, um, you know, those sort of teams in that bottom half of the table you've got to be able to compete with them and i do i think we're there yet no do i think we have the fundamentals to be able to yes so if we don't go up with this team then something has gone horribly wrong is your expectation autos yes yeah it has to be autos mm-hmm. i mean i've done playoffs well the last two times we were in the championship so and it as much as we we both was successful both times it is absolutely harrowing <laughs> just yeah. to go through and it, i mean you get into the playoffs with a team you know i mean the the one under Jokanovic, um you know we went on that 23 unbeaten run um almost got into the autos you know cardiff pipped us i mean that team that was something i was expecting playoffs but this team meet on fire there's so much quality in this squad and not even in the first team. So like we've kind of, you know, if you think Seri, um, Kearney now back from injury, Harrison Reed are all starters. Then behind them, you've got Shalaba, you've got Onoma, mm. you've got so much quality there for a championship yeah. team that if we don't go out by the autos, you'd be annoyed, but you'd get on with it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think from, from an outsider's point of view, I touched on the fact that you were Booker's favourites. And I think, you know, even the way you've started the season, if you and Bournemouth don't go up automatically, something seriously, seriously has gone wrong for either of those clubs. Mm. Um, You've touched on some some highlights there. Um, (laughs) With 
you know, the, the Wembley visits uh, and stuff and the Premier League years. Do, do they sit up there, you know, as your happiest memories? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, yeah. the happiest memory live has to be the Wembley 2018, um, the playoff final against Aston Villa. One, because we had a real rivalry with Villa that year. Um, oh, well, I, I, I can't remember how it game. started, but for some reason we really didn't like each other. But, um, I mean, Fulham hadn't been to Wembley in my lifetime. Um, I think the last time we'd played at Wembley before 2018 was 1975. So I was actually living in Budapest at the time. Um, and I was watching the games from there and like, I was like, Dad, if they get to the final, I've got to buy home. I'm coming home. And <laughs> yeah, so got to the final outrageously um, with a crazy header from a doy but yeah that that day at Wembley was just something special seeing you I've been to Wembley obviously but I've never seen my own team there and that just hits differently something special isn't it I mean and that that was live I mean this the close second has to be the Juve game Mm, with Clint Dempsey chips uh the keeper and everything just fell into place that game we couldn't believe it and the funniest thing about that tie was uh, my family's friends had, uh, or my family had friends at the time who were Italian, and the guy was a Juve fan. And he came round for the first leg, and when he left, he said, "Like thanks for the bye to the next round at three 0 I was like, "Well, he's a bit of a prick, isn't he?" <laughs> but um, I, I let it go, and um, we didn't see him after that. <laughs> Never saw him again. Wonder why? It's got a bit quiet. But, yeah, um, I, I, I remember that side uh, and that run um, was unreal. Um, you know, that team shouldn't in, even be in the Premier League, let alone the Europa League. Yeah, I mean, talk it, about it the Zoltan Bobby Zamora, Paul Konchesky, John Pantzel, Danny Murphy, <laughs> sort of coming to the end of his career. It was big Hangerland. Was big Hangerland at centre half? Hangerland was there with. He was centre half with Aaron Hughes. <laughs> oh my days, the pace there. Mark Schwarzer was uh, goalkeeper. Collected his pension and then playing on the Saturday. Unbelievable! It was just that team was just magic, and I don't know why or how, but Roy Hodgson. So there's a, obviously there's been a lot of people talking about Roy Hodgson um, after his stint as England manager, after his stint as Liverpool manager. But I won't have an ill word said about him. He mm. is probably one of the best Fulham managers of all time. And to now touch on one of the worst, um, I-, I tagged you in a tweet the other day as well. Felix McGath. Oh, yeah, and that's it. I mean, the relegation of 2014. So that was my first ever relegation experience. Um, and it was just... Oh, it was just horrible. I think it was just everything that season was wrong. Um, we bought wrong. We had an ageing squad. So this was the first season at the Cairns bought Fulham Mm. but from my perspective when you look at it a bit deeper is yes Al Fayed kept us in the Premier League but if you look at the um, investment for the last sort of three years he wasn't putting money in that was one of the most aging squads I think into 2012-2013 we still had the same team that took us to the Europa League final which was an aging team then Um, and it was just Mm. They, Alfa didn't exist, uh, didn't invest, so I don't blame the Khans. They were sold a lemon, to be honest. Then they had inexperience of running a football club. They didn't really know what to do to fix it. They hired too many managers. We had yep. 
Martin Yole at the start of the season, who I think should have seen the season out with a decent squad. He's a good manager. Rene Muhlenstein took over, who was yeah, Yole's assistant, I think. But again, inexperienced. Why was we giving him? Was he United as a coach at some point? He was, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. He bought um, Tannicliffe in and Lionel yes, did. Cole. Yes, I remember. Into a relegation battle, and you're like, why? <laughs> They've never played a first team game, had they, at that point, no. or, or a handful, if any. And um, but then he got in um, Lewis Holtby on loan. Yeah, there was a, there was a bit of a you know glimmer of hope, and then he got the sack. Felix McGat comes in. Excuse me, Felix McGat comes in, who was the manager at Schalke when um, when Holtby was there, and he didn't like Holtby, so he dropped him straight away. So the only sort of decent player we had, we dropped him. And McGat is just mental. He was just crazy. Um, nobody got on with him. And there was even a training exercise, which I remember, I think Steve Sidwell mentions in a podcast. Um, they'd just been beaten 2-0, I think it was by um, Villa or someone like that. And he calls him into training the day after the game. Um, and he gets, says, right, everyone take your positions on the pitch as they were yesterday. Uh, they're all kitted up and everything, standing there. And he goes, now you're going to stand here for 90 minutes. <laughs> And they went, what? And he goes, because you didn't want to run yesterday, so you're not going to run now. So you've got to stand in your position. And apparently they were all just standing there for 90 minutes. And he oh, was just crazy. Oh, he was just oh, a different it. level. But oh, then on paper, he looks like a great manager. So on paper, we had a man coming in who, you know, he was manager of the year in the Bundesliga for three years. I think 2003, 2005, 2009. Won the Bundesliga with Bayern Munich and Wolfsburg. You're like, yeah, this is the man to save us. And Christ, did he did he make his tank? <laughs> but one of the, the worst thing that makes this all even more my lowest memory is that Fulham signed, we needed a striker. We needed this big money striker to come in in January to, to save us. And uh, we brought in Kostas Mitroglou. Oh, yeah, I remember this. Um, and yeah, he played maybe last. two games. Because he had off on loan. But do you know who... We were offered and we turned down instead of Mitchell. Oh, you're going to say someone who's like. What year was it? What year was this? Or... So this was 2014. He was an upcoming striker through Real Sociedad. Griezmann. Antoine Griezmann for £11 million pounds we got offered. And we took Mitchell instead. <laughs> oh, no. Because you weren't a big target, man. That's why. Yeah, it's just. And That's if we had Griezmann, would we have stayed up? God knows. I don't know. But would his, would his it career been, been the same? It would have been not. cooler to say that we had Griezmann than fucking Mitrick, though. It's just a bit like yeah. the Blackburn and Lewandowski stuff, isn't it? With the yeah. Ashford and shit. Like that, it happens. It's, so you've, you've, talked, you've talked about a lot about players that you've, you've obviously been linked with, signed, not signed, all the old players. What what are your favourite noticeable players over the, the history you've supported them? Oh, Clint Dempsey's number one for me. Um, yeah, at some point. Top, top goal scorer in the Premier League, 50 goals. Um He's, and he can spit bars. He can. Juice. <laughs> Everyone checks out YouTube. Check out Juice on YouTube. I think he did the song for the US World Cup, um, <laughs> which is even funnier. Don't Tread on Me or something it was called. It was, he was just so Brilliant. cool. And I remember I went to, I got invited to a training, um, just an open training once. And like people were sort of like, um, you know, signing stuff, moving on. Dixon or two who, people like that. Just, Signing it, moving on, moving on, Musa Dembele. 
And the only one who was really kind of cool was Dem- uh, Dempsey. Sort of came up, gave you a proper like sort of good handshake and it's like, oh, you enjoyed your day? Like, how do you think things going? And he was really more personal. And now I was like, yeah, he's best. He's tops. He, mm. He's the best player. But um, no, I mean, when I grew up, sort of Steve Malbronk for me was a, an absolute Steve baller. Player. Oh, player. He was phenomenal. Um, Louis Saha. Oh, baller. Great player. Um, and we, we were sort of picking these players up. And this is all Jean Tigana and his team. That yeah. He was just picking up yeah. these unknowns from French League. I think we picked up Saha from FC Metz um, and Malbronk from Lyon for peanuts, four million or something. But um, they were just some incredible players. Um, See, but... There's one player that I remember watching the Premier League and watching Fulham, Papa Booba Diop. Ah, oh, God rest his soul. God rest his soul, but what was... an absolute animal he was. I have a little story actually, um, and it's slightly commentary related as well. Yeah. So I, I was, um, <laughs> so I, I was, I was at a game with my dad, sitting in the Hammersmith end, uh, watching Fulham Middlesbrough, um, and uh, and I was just, you know, watching the game. And this guy next to me he was a bit late, sat down, and he was just chatting to me like he kept nudging me. I was only like thirteen or something. I was like, why does this bloke just keep talking to me? Like, will he just, will, will he just fuck off? Um, and he was just like, oh, I got this ticket for free. Um, George Boateng's my brother-in-law. So um, it was just like, I'm just enjoying a day out. I was like, yeah, whatever, mate. Do your thing. Um, and uh, I think we even lost 2-0 or something. But um, And then sure enough, I, I used to wait by the gate uh, outside the cottage just to get players' autographs and stuff. So I had my Sharpie ready and that and my shirt. And, um, and then I just heard this bloke go, Ben, Ben. And I was like, look around and he was on the other side of the fucking gate <laughs> and he was like come 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 and i was like and my, i was like dad do i go with this strange man that's beckoning me into this cottage um <laughs> and uh he was like yeah go and then he got me through the security and he took me into the changing room and met the players and i remember oh, and funny enough the one that i do remember was papa booba diop so i was 12 13 at the time and he was an absolute unit. I was probably yeah, about five mountain. foot tall, and he was about six foot five, but a real gentle giant. He was an awesome mm. bloke. Um, but yeah, got his autograph and that. But yeah, very weird story. Never, never thought that would happen that day. But um, yeah, so that's such a top story. That is. I always, that a lot. always speak to your uh, neighbour if you don't know them when you see. Yeah, them. Might, you know, might be someone. One of the players. That <laughs> was really weird. Uh, I think one of the best stories I've heard about Papa Booba Diop was in Jimmy Bollard's uh, autobiography. And if you haven't read it, read it because it's unbelievable. Um, but obviously, Bollard's known to be a bit of a prankster. Yeah. And um, Papa Booba Diop was getting a, a massage after the physio, and he's in the table and he had his head in the hole. Yeah. And uh, Bollard may have dropped a bollock or two uh, on Papa Booba Diop's head. <laughs> Um, and got chased all the way around the training ground by a big God. naked tank. <laughs> uh, he said he never played a trick on him ever again, and I that's think that's a fair shout. But okay. again, Jimmy Bullard's another one who obviously is he's on most TV screens at the minute on, on Soccer yeah. I Am. Um, I, I think it's fair to say he didn't have the best of times with you guys, did he? He had a lot of injuries. He had, he had a major knee injury. Um, 
and yeah his knee was completely messed but he did come back um and he did play a big part in the great escape um season um i think 2008 um and uh yeah he he just worked on his free kick taking and he just kept scoring free kicks and i think he actually got called up to england mm-hmm. um during that spell but yeah i and mean punch on that. yeah that's it but he <laughs> He wanted a five-year contract, I remember, from Fulham. And Fulham said, mate, your knee, you're not, we can't give you more than two. And mm. then Hull City came in, offered us five million, gave him the four-year contract he wanted, and then his knee went. Um, and the rest oh, is good history, business. Yeah, good business. Um, so it's a sad thing. But yeah, he, he was a great player. I actually, yeah, I met him once. I was another game when I was, I think I was ball boy that day. And I remember he was hobbling off the bench with his crutches and he couldn't get, and his crutches were playing up and he couldn't get away fast enough. So I ran over with a pen. But, um, <laughs> so I've now got very He's under in crutches. He's like, oh shit, this kid's coming, like trying to grab his crutches. But uh, so I've now got a random Boa Morte shirt signed by Boa Morte and Jimmy Bullard because that was all I had on me. But yeah, that's that brilliant. The Boa Morte is another one that I, I think uh, everyone Great remembers uh, for full on. Just the manager now. The, 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 one, the one transfer that I remember made me think again is this April Fool's that Edwin van der Sar, when you signed him, I yeah. thought, really? Because I know he went on to play for Man United and you know had a great career there. I always thought he was the ready-made replacement for Schumacher when he retired. But for some reason, it yeah. never happened, and then he ended up at Fulham. As a, I'm guessing you would have been a teenager around that sort of time. Like, yeah, I I remember a nil-nil <laughs> game at Highbury, um, where it was the most entertaining nil-nil game you'll ever see. Because how that ball never went in the goal, I'll never know. He was just on form. He was just, and the only reason he came to Fulham was because he was number two behind um, Buffon at Juventus. Mm. Um, and Fulham got him for seven million, I think it was at the time, which is still absolute steal. And yeah, he was he would he kept us in games, absolutely. He was just an absolute unit. Um, but um, a, a very intelligent man as well. Mm. Like, very well, well he, he's quite her part, I hope, wasn't he? That's right, um, yeah. So, and I think that speaks volumes about you know his intellect and how he's respected in the game. Um, to be fair, I could sit here all night and go over full-on players from the <laughs> Premier League. There's two more I'm going to mention because I think they played at the same time and this must be some sort of record. The only club that had Collins, John and John Collins at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think they even had John Collins present Collins, John uh, at the press conference. <laughs> Brilliant. But, yeah. and th- th- that must have confused the kit man a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. He... I, I mean, it confused fans as well. We we thought we'd signed another John Collins, and then we're like, no, it's Collins John, but the, the librarian. But he was uh, a sad case, to be honest, because he in his first season as a teenager in the Premier League, he scored eleven goals. Yeah, wow. Um, and he was just scoring for fun as an eighteen-year-old, you know, just come over from uh, Holland, I think. Um, and, and he was cracking, but. I mean, I, I, I tried to keep tabs on him even a couple of years ago and he had a trial at Crawley Town, didn't get picked up. And he's only 29, I think. That's crazy, isn't it? And I think he's now playing somewhere really unknown, but maybe back to back in Africa somewhere. But It's, but yeah, it's crazy, it's isn't it? Like, again, 
you know, some of the names that you think that have brought a Fulham show over the years, Brian Ruiz, um, Bocanegra, Barry, big Barry. Barry, uh, Barry Taylor's, yeah. Oh, he, he's, he's, he's a name that kind of sticks Still going. in <laughs> it's, it's, it's mental, isn't it? You know, these players passed through. Um, but I think, you know, we, we look at some of the connections that, you know, are played for both sides and we've touched on a few already. Chris Coleman was a big part of a manager yeah. for us, but obviously um, was a manager for you guys and uh, played for you guys as well. Cookie's the one that's, that jumps out of my head and obviously the, the, other thing, the other person that's quite prominent and links the two clubs is Jimmy Hill. Um, yeah. Obviously, we have the statue outside uh, the CBS of him. Mm. And I was stood there before the Fulham game this year when both when his family were there and both sides met and swapped scars and stuff. And that was really, really quite a nice thing to see. Yeah. Um, there's roads named after him in commentary and all sorts. Um, mm. Is he revered that much? Oh, is he? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, he is a legend player. But I think the the, the part of Jimmy Hill that sticks in Fulham's minds or Fulham fans' minds of all generations is 1987 when Fulham almost merged with QPR. We nearly became Fulham Park Rangers. Oh, wow. Um, so Fulham's chairman at the time, um, David Bulstrode, I think it was, owned a company called Marler Estates. Uh, and Marler Estates um, owned Stamford Bridge, Craven Cottage, and they just bought um, Loftus Road uh, and at the time Fulham were in Division 3 um, you know pit, pit of all you know football league and uh, QPR were in the top flight so meaning they would move you know Fulham to the more successful side of West London um, and then eventually sell off Craven Cottage for luxury apartments on the river um, and you know Jimmy Hill led the protest with the fans um and basically the the chairman addressed the fans and said it's not economically correct for you know for the fulham to run in the long term like this club can't sustain itself and which you know history now shows is absolute bullshit so mm -hmm. anyway but yeah jimmy hill led the process um and then he bought fulham with some help with the fans and um, he was our chairman for a few years. Um, and then the estate company, Marmer Estates, then went bust. Or they were, I think they were taken over by someone, and they went bust. So then Royal Bank of Scotland then owned Craven Cottage while Jimmy Hill was chairman. Um, and Fulham held the, the lease in 99, until 1993, I believe. And then there's this famous plaque that's on the, the side of the... Um, Stevenage Road stand, which now is Johnny Haynes stand, called the Fulham 2000. So Fulham 2000 was a, a fan, 2000 fans that sort of came together, got some money together with Jimmy Hill to buy back the stadium. And oh, then Al Fayed stepped in, paid the rest, promised, you know, that he would sustain Fulham and Jimmy Hill stepped down and let Al Fayed lead the way, and then the rest is history. For yes, them, history yeah. from there, so that's a good story, right? Yeah, never heard. I didn't, didn't know that. To be honest, right. you, you see, I, I, yeah, I don't think if that even happened today, I wouldn't be a Fulham Park Rangers fan. That's unreal, isn't it? Oh, that, it even sounds dirty. It's uh, just, <laughs> but it's what's it's interesting because it they, it's always Fulham have always been skeptical of people that want to buy Fulham now 
because of that because yeah. obviously we've got that land on the river but the good thing is that the 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 stevenage road stand is now listed and can't be touched so if they do want to build on it then you know they've got to keep that intact and they can't change anything there so it's too much of a ball lake for developers to come in so we're we're trying to be okay in that area but i I believe the khans won't do that to us i don't think i think too many sporting people but but there you go yeah jimmy hill absolute fulham legend and i believe that my um dad's uncle who was uh um i'm sadly blind and seen to go to ages he was part of the film 2000s as well so, oh, wicked. Good, so it's good to wicked. have that connection as well see obviously he was chairman for us he got us up the league yep. back in the 60s um our song the, the, the play up sky blues that he coined that song um there's there's many a video of him singing it on a pitch which is mega nice. um you know and obviously wider football know him as the man that created the three-point system mm. um so the, the one question about Jim Hill I want to ask, do Sunderland fans hate you guys because of him too? Not that I'm aware of, no. Right, so when he was chairman of Cov, um, he managed to get... We were in a relegation dogfight with Sunderland uh, from the top division and he managed to get our game delayed by 15 minutes due to traffic <laughs> problems. Um, then he went on the tannoy himself, I believe, and announced the final score 15 minutes before the end of the game. So Coventry and oh, I'm going to get this wrong. Whoever they were playing, um, then just knocked the ball about between themselves for 15 minutes because it meant both teams stayed up and Sunderland got relegated. So there's oh. a so the last time Sunderland came to the Rico, there's a lovely video of an old man shouting at a statue of Jimmy Hill. Um, <laughs> it's quite yeah. surreal as well. It's so it's surreal. Just, I mean, and I, at least and I think it was actually on Sky. I think it was actually on Sky. Do you know they do that bit where they pan outside the stadium at the start of the yeah. game, showing the crowd merging? Yeah, I think it was during that point, and it's just oh, oh, phenomenal. Just definitely yeah. the points. <laughs> it, it, it was brilliant. Um, so yeah, long live uh, the memory of Jimmy Hill. What what, what an absolute legend! And I'm I, I, and I'm glad when we played each other, we, we did make a point of. Um, uh, respecting his memory and his, his family were there and I hope when we come down to the cottage we do something similar yeah. because Hopefully, yeah. I, I, I know I'd be happy well, to see Fulham that Fulham wouldn't be there you wouldn't be playing Fulham if it wasn't for Jimmy Hill so there you yeah go. 100% uh, if we're going to look at some other um, some other links Cyrus Christie is one that kind of yeah. in more recent time leaps out I went to the same school as me he was a few years younger but um, I know Cyrus I remember really weird when he broke into our team I never thought he would have gone on to have the career he's had um, but he's I think he's a good championship fullback yeah it's a sad it's a sad thing that he, he's not getting a look in at Fulham but he I, I guess he, his style of fullback just doesn't fit Marco Silva's way um, I think he went on loan I want to say to Nottingham Forest last year um, he's definitely, he definitely in Notts Forest yeah um, and I mean he did well so you know when we went when we came back down again we were thinking, you know, well, that's okay because we've got, you know, another right back. Because I think, well, we were thinking, yeah, it was Nottingham Forest. And he was going to be, you know, we had Kenny Tete. We signed from Lyon, played Champions League football. We're like, he's not playing the championship. So we've got Adoy. We've got Cyrus, you know, coming back from loan after playing a full season with Nottingham Forest. I thought, yeah, I, I don't mind him being a right back. Kenny Tete stayed. We had a youngster come through as well. Cyrus doesn't get a look in. But, what I will commend Cyrus for is his work off the pitch. He's doing a lot um, 
a lot to you know help people of color in in the sport um yeah which i really think is a great thing um and i think he's a great person but um i do think it is just unfortunate that he's in a fulham squad that is as rich in talent as it is and yeah. he should look to potentially leave um and go to you know a, a lower league i mean maybe even derby might have him back um mm. where they've got money problems and things but maybe he'll do a job for derby but yeah, um, but when he did play, he was a quality right back. I thought um, he was he was our main right back um, when we got promoted the first time. Um, mm. I remember him putting in sort of getting to the. We lost um, Ryan Fredericks, um, yeah, and uh, Cyrus Christie stepped up and um, you know played the role. Was, and thought it was good. He was always decent at cough. Just never, yeah, never thought he'd, he'd show himself into that prominence at that sort of level. And also, mm. not just that internationally as well. Yeah, yeah never, never saw him doing that. Nah, uh, another right back that's got connections. Um, Jack Rimmer. Love Jack Rimmer. Uh, one of the nicest men in football, I, I think it's it's fair to say. Um, I know we didn't have such a prominent time with Fulham, but I know you, you guys brought him down from Scotland. Um, we did, yeah. And give him a couple of chances. Um, from, from Cough fans, thank you for doing that because it meant that we got <laughs> to see him. Um, and he's he's, he's got a tap in, you know, I, I remember rightly at Wembley. It's, I don't know if you remember That's that, mate. Worldy, I think it will. will. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I do. I, I remember that vaguely. The uh, tapping from Grimmer. Yeah, he was he was always a player that I always sort of kept an eye out. He he was sort of one of those players which you know he. I never thought he would play a prominent role for Fulham. I think we signed him when we were in the Premier League, so mm. as a youngster. Um, but he was always sort of one of those players which I thought, you know what, we loaned him out 2016 or 2014. I was thinking, you know what, he's going to come back and play for us in the Championship, but it never really materialised. Um, but I'm glad he went on and had a career at, at Coventry. Uh, I think he's now playing Wickham Wonders, isn't he? Yeah, he's at Wickham, yeah. Um, and he seems to be doing quite well there as well. So Absolutely. And as you say, I'm... I everything you... I think he's a, he's, I've heard things that he's a really nice lad. Um, his family are heavily involved. I remember his um, his sister posting a lot about um, things he does on Twitter and things, which is quite cool. Yeah, but, um, yeah she, she did when he was at Cobb as well. Um, and I think his mum was quite vocal. Um, <laughs> are, are there any gems that we've missed that, that, that you've uncovered that have uh, worn both the sky blue and, and the white of Fulham? David Stockdale, I believe, he was a keeper for Coventry. Oh, yeah, he did online. Yeah. He was quality for Fulham. He was a player that I thought he... he he's called into England squad at the same time, though, was at Fulham, right? He, he, he did, played yeah. Fulham really well, called into England squad. Third choice England. I don't think he ever made a, a no, debut or um, sort of broke in, but um, he was a player which I thought, you know, when we were in the, the, the championship, that he would be our number one. And he got, he got a stint towards the end but then he sort of went to Brighton and played for Brighton a lot in the Premier League and I was thinking he could have done for a job for us but I mean he did get 40 odd games for us um which and we do remember him for it but um he's a good lad as well I think he's at Wickham as well yeah, yeah I think I think he's on the shit that there's one player that's just come to my mind and it's the weirdest transfer I can remember we loaned Fulham Julian Gray Oh, oh yeah. Christ! Yeah, he didn't. We play, were, though, we, we were in the championship, and he went to the Premier Prince. League. And I remember, like, remember it happened in the January transfer window, and I'm going, "See you later, Julian." All that, the best. That was definitely the season we went down. <laughs> oh no, it wasn't. 
Christ. He didn't oh. even play a game. I know, he's mental. I just remember thinking, yeah, what are they doing? As well. What yeah, are they doing? Clearly needed bodies and that was it. Junior, <laughs> come, come, come and train with us, basically. 2008, that's definitely, um, that's got um, Laurie Sanchez written all over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has. Oh, yeah, what a horrendous manager he was. But, um, but there we go. But um, the only other one I can think of is John Salako. He played the odd games for us. Salad. But... He, he, he scored for Coventry on the first game I went to. Leeds at oh, home really? in 96. Menzi dribble picked up in between our box and the halfway line. Down the left-hand side, bottom corner. Lovely goal. <laughs> um, I completely forgot he was at Fulham. I always remember him being at a Palace. Yeah, um, only, he only played 10 games, I think, but um, sort of in the late 90s. But I think, again, it was one of those sort of stopgap, you know, we, we yeah. were sort of struggling towards the end of the sort of two uh, at the time. But uh, uh, sort of came in and did a job for us. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to flip this and go to sort of the last thing that we're going to ask. And rather than do the best players that have ever played for you, I, I like to focus on the worst players. Oh, God. What What are some of the worst players you've ever played for you? And if you could, what is the worst five-a-side team you could Oh, name? the worst five-a-side team. <laughs> Gazzaniga in goal. No, I look see people squirming on this. Like, oh, God, that's my horrendous. In goal is um, a Hungarian goalkeeper. And he... Nobody knows him because I don't know how he got a professional contract, but he played once and his name was um, Chuba Smodji, I think his name was. And oh my God, he might as well have not played with any arms. <laughs> he was atrocious. Um, but I, I don't know whether he actually had a career. I, I think he fooled Fulham into actually thinking he was a, a, a professional player. That's similar to your man at Southampton. Ali 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Do you have a Schmod- yeah, Smodny. Yeah, he played one cup game, I think. Yeah, he went Sweet. back to Hung. He went and yeah, so he played, and this was in the. This is when we were in the Premier League. He apparently, according to this, he oppressed Martin Yole on trial, and then never played a Premier League game. <laughs> but this, this is this shows his level, right? So he played for Fulham in the when we were in the Premier League era under Martin Yole once. And then he went to Dartford on loan. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. What a fall from grace that is. Um, and just quickly before you, Kevin, you touched on uh, your time living in Budapest. So obviously, you got that pronunciation dead on. Um, just one thing before we go on. There's one name that Cov fans have been struggling to say this season. A certain big Swedish striker who's got Hungarian descendants. That is, yeah. How do we pronounce his surname? <laughs> uh, so it'd be Viktor... Dürkeresh. So it's like, a, it's like a D-Y sound at the beginning, like Dürkeresh. See, we've been saying it all wrong, but we're going to keep singing it the Gyorkeresh. way we have. Big yok. Big yok. Big yok. Dürkeresh, yeah. Uh, so, I, I, I do so like player, just complete sizing. If he aimed to Fulham, I'd welcome him with open arms. He was... Yeah, hands off, mate. Quality. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if Mitch over here wants to leave, then we'll take um, Dürkeresh. Absolutely. <laughs> But, Getting uh, back to terrible players. Yeah, so centre back, I would have to put. There's been some woeful ones. Ian Pierce was pretty awful Ooh. for us. Yeah, um, I can imagine. Ian Pierce. Um, I'm trying to think of like these really shit players. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, he's he's quality now. Um, but in the championship, we had Sean Hutchinson, who's now at Millwall, um, and playing yeah. out of his skin. But he has probably been one of the worst centre backs I've seen. But he he was another one that we brought down as a youngster from Scotland, probably around the same time, similar time as Grimmer. But um, yeah, I'd put him in defence with Pierce. I think you've had some iconic centre halves. Thinking about it, big Zat Knight. We had Zat Knight. We had uh, Bocanegra. Bocanegra. Yes, um, even had Johnny Heitinger at one point. Yes, I remember Johnny Heitinger. Um, from Everton. Obviously, he's probably better at Everton. But um... Yeah, he was woeful for us. I mean, he didn't really <laughs> get much of a game, but I remember Hutchinson played a lot and made a lot of mistakes. Uh, <laughs> who would I have in like midfield of my five-a-side? Um, oh, we had a... Oh, what was that guy's name? He he played for us pretty much once, and he smacked up uh, Scott Parker around the back of the head. Um, um, oh, he was a South African guy. Oh, I can't remember his name now, but he was woeful. Everything he tried was just terrible. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna remember his name. Oh, um, I can't even think. Um, just trying to, just trying to Google a name. That's yeah, Google. Aha, Kagisho Dikashoi. Dikashoi, oh, yes. Dikashoi. No yeah, he played. I think he actually went on and had a career at Palace in Cardiff. Yeah. Oh, he was woeful in centre mid. He was one of these <laughs> players which you like, you know, like they were sort of. A continent renowned for amazing central midfielders and central defensive mids, and he came along and proved everyone wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was awful. Um, so yeah, definitely Kagusha Dikachoi. Um, but he was one that you always wanted it to work. I really wanted him to be mm. good. Um, and then I, I can't not mention him, but Eddie Johnson. Striker. Oh wow! Um, yeah. If you were a football manager player. This lad, um, I think he was at, um, oh, where was he at? Kansas City Wizards. It was, yeah. And he was like finishing 15, pace 20. He was uh, on fire. Came to Fulham and did, I think he, I don't think he actually scored a goal. <laughs> um, he was, and we always used to laugh because it was just like, he was a trier. He was a, he was. God um, a trier. <laughs> yeah, he just. All the pace in the world, but you'd put him through on goal and he just couldn't find the net. Yeah, he played 19 games yeah. for us and nothing. As, as opposed to the USA strike, it was Brian McBride, who was absolutely brilliant. Exactly. And it's like, at the, sort of at that time, you had sort of Brian McBride, you had Landon Donovan, um, the um, big guy who used to play for Sunderland, Al, Josie Alton. And you're like, oh yeah, we're getting this young you know, speedy striker, speedy striker from the US. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be mustard. Got him for like five million or something. And um, thought, yeah, he's going to push on now. No, did not think so. We had one similar in the season we got relegated from League One. And this name baffles Cobb fans, Jack McBean. So he broke records for Alec Galaxy's reserves. We oh. brought him in and he never wore a cop shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't even get in the reserve side. You just think... Wow, how right. different is that? Um, <laughs> doesn't even play anymore, I don't think, mate. Nah, he, he doesn't. 
Um, so, so there's three. Um, what you've been talking about, I have done a little Google of the worst Fulham players ever voted before by Fulham fans, and I'm waiting right. to see if you tick any of them off. Go on then. Um, so, um, the keeper, Lastovka, I think, is that the chap you mentioned? No, it wasn't, but he was equally as bad, yeah. He understood. <laughs> Him and um, Shmodji were like same level, I'd say. Definitely had the um, same coach. Back four of Briggs. Briggs is a weird one because he he had his games. I wouldn't say he was the worst left back we've ever had. Um, Did you pluck him out in the league? No, he was a. Um, oh, no, that was Smallin. Sorry, that, that was Smallin, wasn't it? So Briggs came through our academy from the age of like you know eight. Um, I remember he played against Arsenal, played out of his skin at left back. Then that was all he did. Um, but then I think he had some good games at Watford. But yeah, he he. I actually came across him recently. I went to a non-league game with Scoop, um, and he played for, um, like Pitsy or something like that. He was their um, captain. But yeah, he, and he, but he, I think he was the youngest Premier League player ever yeah. until, um, Fulham played um, Harvey Elliott um, before we went yeah. down. So he's now the youngest. But yeah, it was Briggs for a long time. So he's done a defence by Stefanovic. Yeah, he was terrible. Um, Raymond. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say Raymond's the worst. Raymond. I wouldn't say Zesh Raymond's the worst. I'd say Pierce. Um, Jensen. Klaus uh, Jensen. And then you've got a midfield four of Al Rich. Oh, I'm yeah. probably butchering some pronunciations here. I do apologise for them. No, he was awful. No, he was Australian. Stephen Davis. He. He was in a bad squad. He's like, I think he still plays for Rangers, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he might be. But he, um, um, he was in the team where we were like absolutely crashing and burning under Laurie Sanchez. So I think he was just a good player in a bad team. He was like 24 years old at the time. So, and now he's had a good career at Southampton. I don't think he'd be worse. Was that around the same sort of time where everyone left Rangers because they went through the financial difficulties? We picked up Fleck and I think... Nate Smith went to no, so he, well. he went to Rangers afterwards because he um we picked him up from Aston Villa, I think. Right, okay. Um, so he was uh, sort of quite early on in his career, but um, yeah, I've just realised that the Jensen you mentioned was Nicholas Jensen. Yeah, he was pretty yeah. bad. Yeah, <laughs> um, Gekov. Um, oh, I can honestly say I, I I've never heard. I of... have never heard of him, <laughs> Gekov. Um, G E C O V. Um and I'm gonna put to this as well. Soul. Oh, Soul Ki Hyun. Yeah, he was pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I would say that. Um, yeah, as a winger goes, yeah, he was he was pretty awful. Same as Elric. Uh, uh, and yeah, I think apparently Marcel Gekov was a defensive mid. I don't remember him at all. <laughs> I think that speaks volumes. Um, and then the strike force of Shefki Kuchi. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Hands down. Now, this is the point I wish we had video because Skib's face then was an absolute picture. <laughs> um, and he's oh. partnered by a certain Mr. Marcus Bent, I believe. Oh. Darren Bent. Was it Darren Bent? It would have been was Darren it? Bent. He... It, 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 it's, it's Mr. Bent. It doesn't say whether it's Darren or Marcus. I wouldn't say he was the worst player we've had. I mean, he, he joined us on loan when we were you know, going down from the Premier League and actually went down. 
but I always remember he scored an equalising goal um, against Man United at Old Trafford when I think Man United had 80 crosses. I don't know if you remember that stat. Wow. Uh, and Fulham just kept heading them away. But um, And then the last minute of the game, I think somebody hit the bar and then Bent was just typically there to tap it in and got a 2-2 draw. But I would say Eddie Johnson was way worse than Bent. But I think a lot of Fulham fans don't like Bent because of his attitude. Senderos is another one that's uh, someone's I wouldn't put Senderos is worse. Orlando Sarr. Orlando Sarr was terrible. This is this, 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 I'm oh, reading through and I'm getting shivers and some of these never even played for us. Um, Casey Keller, I, I, I thought that was a bit I hard. wouldn't say Casey Keller is the worst. Definitely the keepers we mentioned. John Arisa. Um, I wouldn't say he's the worst. Again, no, I think it's a bit harsh. Brings shame to his name. He's had a very good Premier League career. Um, <laughs> Close that site down, Neil. If you've done too much digging and research, it's just going yeah. to the top. Just, just, just have a look there. Right? That, that time's just been, been closed. I think that um, sounds like uh, very bitter Fulham fans. Maybe at the time when they, maybe that poll was taken when he left. Um, quite possibly. But he, I mean, he went to Roma. Or No, he was at Roma, and then we bought him from there, I think. But, yeah, I wouldn't say he was the worst. I'd say he can't have been too bad. Um, Skip, I, I could sit here and talk to you all night about um, ex-Fulham players and all the rest of it, <laughs> yeah. mate. Um, but it, it, it's, it's been amazing. Um, thank you for giving up your time to talk to No problem to, at to, all, guys. Really enjoyed it. Um, where can people find you um, on socials, and where is Scoops' Football League lowdown? Yeah, so the Scoops Football League Lowdown is hosted on Twitch. Um, if you look up Scoops Callahan 1, um, we stream on Monday nights, normally from 8.30pm. Uh, alternatively, you can find me on Twitter, um, which is uh, Skibby underscore. It's quite simple enough. So don't if you find me on Twitter, don't forget the underscore, because otherwise you get a random guy who's like, <laughs> I don't know what this is. But So the story behind that is somebody promoted, I think Scoops promoted the, the the show, tagged the wrong Skibby, and he's like, I don't know what it is, but I'll try my best, uh, <laughs> which is very good, top form. But um, no, if you look at me... Someone's from Twitter, London guy from Australia, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you find me, uh, Skibby underscore on Twitter. Um, I also post about the uh, Football League load down there. Um, and I think you can also look up the Football League load down on Twitter as well. So at SFLL show. Um, yeah, um, and I think it's correct. I, I, I'm a little bit biased. Obviously, I, I'm a fan. I subscribe. I follow. I enjoy it. It's very um, interactive, fan-wise. So if you haven't checked it out yet, go, go and check it out. It's it's good fun. And if you do happen to have an Amazon Prime account, you can sub for free, which helps exactly. support helps support the boys. So go and do that if you can. Um, but Skibs, thanks again, mate. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, I, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Sounds great. Thank you very much, guys. Take no care. Worries. Cheers, my team.